Hello and welcome to Women Leading in Cannabis. I'm your host, Kira Reed. Thank you for joining us today. Our guest is Annie Holman, owner, CEO, and CMO of The Galley, a co-manufacturing company in Santa Rosa, California. Welcome, Annie. Thank you, Kira. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to speak to you today. I'm looking forward to speaking with you as well. Annie has had a career spanning 25 years in marketing and media. She is also the former owner of California-based Derby Bakery Cannabis Edibles that produced high-end award-winning products, winning several Emerald Cup Best Edibles honors, as well as first and second place prizes from Edible List Best of Awards. Prior to entering cannabis, Annie ran a successful graphic design and PR firm for 25 years. Annie, I have really been looking forward to this interview for weeks, and I've got some questions for you about launching a company during COVID and how that has impacted your leadership. But I want to start with your story so we can bring our listeners up to speed on who you are and how you got into the cannabis industry. So I will tell you that. I actually was, as you mentioned, a graphic designer. I had a small graphic design firm for since about 1987. Um, I graduated from college when there were no computers. So um, I started out kind of doing basic graphic design. And then, of course, all the computers came online and I taught myself how to use all the different programs. And I launched my business that way. And as it turns out, that was that was a very good thing to do. Um, so I did that for a very long time and then I got very, very tired of doing what I was doing and I was getting burnt out and I just kind of was, you know, not, my heart wasn't in it and, and I have a very high work ethic. And so when my heart went away, I I knew I had to do something else. And I had a client who actually was, had an insurance company who, um, was writing, she was one of the first people to write uh, insurance for cannabis. And so she approached me and she had actually won a huge sum of money at the 2015 Kentucky Derby. And so she approached me and she handed off this chunk of change and she said, let's, let's make a medical bakery. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and so just something totally new. And so we launched um, Derby Bakery. And we um, had that bakery for about three years. We had very good traction in the state. Um, as you mentioned, we, we won a bunch of awards. We were one of the first brands to really start putting high-end CO2 oil into our cookies. So instead of eating a dirt cookie you know, with, with rocks in it, um, you had a very nice um, lucky lemon cookie with white chocolate and macadamia nuts in it. So um, that, for me, was the start of this whole big piece of passion that I'm doing now. Um, You know, our, our bakery was medical. And so most of our patients were, you know, uh, either, you know, end of life or HIV or cancer patients. And for me, it was incredibly gratifying to be able to, to hand off some of our products to people that were really sick and they were able to get off their opiates 
um, and, and, you know, have a conversation and potentially eat some food and just be more comfortable and not so out of it, you know, when they're trying to process um, these, these um, different diseases that they had. We were also really um, supporting our veterans um, because, you know, they have a lot of the um, uh, wounds um, mentally and physically. And so to be able to, I think I probably baked as many cookies as I sold as I did to give away to the veterans. So <laughs> that was a big cause of mine. Um, so I, that, that for me was, was very, very gratifying. Um, the last reason I got into cannabis was also personal because I was also addicted to things like clonopin, which is a, a sleeping anti-anxiety aid. And I was eating Advil like it was cotton candy or something. I was just, I had so many aches and pains from being on the computer for so long. And so I personally started using cannabis and, um, you know, different, different aids to sleep, different aids for anxiety and and that changed my life to be able to wean myself off these pharmaceuticals. So that that's how I got here. <laughs> that is a, that is an amazing story. You so let's talk bring it back up into the future now because one of the things that I really want to talk to you about is what has been happening for you over the last 6 months. So you've had a really crushing 6 months to put it mildly. You launched yes. a new business right at the start of COVID. You've had management issues you've had to deal with. You've had employees you need to keep safe and investors you need to keep happy. How are you doing this? I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, some days I wake up in the morning and I just, I, I just wonder that myself. But I just, I just keep going, and I think, I think my my key success is. You know, and, and this is so incredibly cliche, but literally one day at a time. And don't, I try not to look too far down the road because when you do that, it just causes you a lot of unnecessary worry. And so I try to just, I put everything into buckets and, you know, A, B, and C buckets for the day. And I just deal with, I try to deal with the A buckets. And sometimes I get to the B buckets and, Every once a month or so, I'll actually get into my C bucket for the day. So, and they just change around. And so I just, I really just try to focus on what's right in front of me. So what do you think of all of the things that you've had to deal with over this last six months is a story that you can share with us about, you know, things getting really bad because of COVID and how you've seen your way through to a positive mm -hmm. end? Yeah, so that that was so first of all we did have a change of leadership and I have never been through anything like that. And so that was a very difficult situation which I can't really talk too much about, but I will say that I learned a lot of lessons about how to to um structure the company better and how to deal with attorneys and I mean I this was just all very new to me all of this kind of I guess if you will nastiness because I, I just don't operate like that. I mean, for me, it's, it's about people and relationships and being able to work things out. And so to have a situation that we had to deal with, it was, that was very challenging. And that happened in tandem with COVID in tandem with getting our license and getting up and running. So all of that, that's where I really had to put into play that one thing at a time, you know, just one, one second at a time. Um, because you know, having, having all of those things coming at me at once was definitely, um, 
some days I was like, I think I need a lobotomy or something. <laughs> you know, so. But anyways, so um, so the, the big, big thing, too, was COVID. I mean, there were so many unknowns and there were so, so much to deal with. And, and, you know, I could just look around me and see my staff, just the fear, you know, and, and, and myself as well. And so what worked really well for me was to just really be a human being. And, and as a CEO of this company, and I am a new CEO, and this is a brand new position for me because I was the CMO. And so, you know, I, I really just decided I'm, I'm just going to be a human being. I'm not going to be a scary CEO. I'm going to connect with my people. I'm going to check in with them. I'm going to let them know that I'm also scared of this COVID thing and, and, and that went a long way um, with everyone and also with myself, because, you know, I, it's lonely when you're up here, <laughs> you know, not at the top, but, you mm-hmm. know, it's just everybody's looking to you to be the leader. And I am a natural leader and I, I am growing into this position and, and actually starting to like it. Um, and so, um, just, you know, empowering my people to help me make decisions about how to set up the plant more safely. Um, you know, we have weekly COVID meetings, literally, um, you know, we have very strict protocol in place where everybody has to, you know, uh, take their temperature every day and they have to sign in and say that they've done that. And, you know, of course we, we are wearing masks. We are limiting the people who are, um, the vis- the visitation, um, and we, you know, we try to have most of our meetings outside um, as well. So, so thankfully, I have a lot of people around me who have some experience in setting up manufacturing and setting it up safely. But it was definitely challenging because of the unknown and and how scary it all was and how quickly it was all happening. Um, so, so I think again, the best thing I did was just just really connecting with my people, and and that was easy for me because that's what I do. I mean, that's my thing. I'm a fixer. I just, you know, everybody's like, call Annie, she'll take care of it. <laughs> so, so yes. So what was that? I want to hear a little bit more about that fear, because I think that there are, you know, when you say fear, it, it's, it's at this point, so layered, it's fear of getting sick, fear of losing your job. What, right. and, and they're very different fears. I, and I think there are a lot of women who are trying to lead their companies right now and deal with these fears. Can you tell me what those layers of fears are you as a leader experiencing your employees are experiencing and how you're leading both you and them through it. So my, my, I mean, all of the above what you just said, I mean, I, at the beginning of this thing, I mean, I tend to be an anxious person to some degree, although I hide it very well. Um, but I, I also will talk about it with people. And I, for me, the fear of getting sick in the beginning was so incredibly overwhelming that I literally had to stop reading the news and stop watching CNN and, and just basically, you know, I had the facts, I knew what they were and I knew how to protect myself. And so then I thought to myself, well, okay, if I'm feeling this way, my people are feeling this way. So I, you know, I actually uh, drafted a pretty long email with all of the um, tax and fit uh, pivots that I have been doing to combat my fear. And I said, you know, this is what I'm doing, you know, like not watching so much news, not getting on social media so much, you know, talking to my friends, um, not just not just texting people, but FaceTiming people, you know. So I had a whole list of things that I sent out to everyone. And I said, this is what I'm doing. So then I think they connected with me and the, okay, she's scared too. And 
Um, and, and, and a lot of people came to me and said, you know, I sent out free applications for this, um, from Kaiser with their application that's called calm. And, you know, and I I said, I subscribed everybody to that. So, cause that helps me sometimes when I wake up in the morning and I, I just will turn the raindrops on, <laughs> you know, for five minutes. So well, I just try idea. to give everyone the tool. Yeah, it, it does help, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's not like I'm sitting there for an hour trying to meditate and calm my mind, but just, you know, doing some deep breathing. I've been doing a lot of deep breathing, taking those real deep belly breaths and holding them in and letting them out very, very slowly. Because if you do five or six or even 10 of those in the row, it absolutely changes your moment. And even the next couple hours, it's, it's actually quite remarkable. Um, and you just, you have to get way down in the belly to calm those nerves that are way down in your belly. Um, and it, it does work. It absolutely works. So just, just giving people tools, I think, um, as, as a leader and letting them again, know that I'm human. I feel this too. I imagine that that is very comforting for your staff to see that you've got that vulnerability as well. I think that's such an important aspect of leadership is to reveal your humanness and your vulnerability to your, to the people you're leading. hundred percent, a hundred percent, you know, and I came into this job very softly because I had not been a CEO. I mean, honestly, I had to Google that. I'm like, what does that mean? You know, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, you know? <laughs> and so, so I came in lightly and softly because I, I didn't, I had to figure out what the job was. And thankfully I have a mentor who's actually a man. And, and I talk to him every day for 35, 30 or 35, 40 minutes. And he just, you know, it's not like a big bitch session for me. It's a pro it's a solving session. You know, we have top of mind and we have this whole little agenda that we go through and that he has taught me so much about you know this position and and being a leader and being a ceo because it's different than than being a marketing person for sure um Very. and so I, I really i'm so incredibly grateful to him and and the things that he's taught me and and apparently i'm doing a good job this is what i hear i mean i'll give you an example i had an employee say to me yesterday because we just got an HR department, so I'm very excited. Um, so, <laughs> so I don't, so I don't have to be the HR <laughs> anymore. So, um, so, so we had all these meetings just so everyone can meet everyone, and and so I came in on the tail end of the meetings just to thank people for you know, um, you know, dealing with the chaos of startup and the chaos of COVID, and just sort of letting them know that my door was always open. And I had somebody say to me yesterday, you know, I want you to know, Annie, that when I wake up in the morning, I don't feel that I'm coming to work. I feel like I'm co I'm coming to do something fun and I'm coming to be with my family and I feel very supported here. And I was <laughs> so, wow. because that is exactly what I was trying to do here. And for her to say this to me, I mean, and she just, she was so heartfelt about it. And I thought, okay, this is the ethos and the culture that I want to build here. Yes, there does need to be some hierarchy, which is something I've learned because I was trying to run the company a little more flat, but I'm realizing that most people need structure. And so there does need to be someone at the top and yeah. that person is me. And so in the last like 60 days or so, I've started to really own this job more and not, not be like so flat about it, I guess, if you will. That's awesome, Annie. You know, that's Thank a real you. testament 
to who you are, uh, which actually leads me into my next question. Uh, when we first met, it was last summer, and I was producing the Lady Jane mm-hmm. Society Women in Cannabis Retreat. And mm-hmm. we met around sponsorship. And honestly, from the first minute that we met, we totally clicked. And I was immediately impressed with your compassion and your commitment to helping women in cannabis succeed. It was so authentic. It just kind of oozed from you. And as I got to know you, I came to find out that you are a real leader in this space with a tremendous amount of respect across the cannabis spectrum for your professionalism and your passion. And I want to ask this question with women in mind who may be just coming into a newly legal state, just coming into the industry, who also have that passion and compassion for women to help them succeed. How did you go from marketing to becoming one of the most high profile leaders in the Northern California community? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So um, I would say... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was that the doozy question? That is a doozy. Let me let me frame this for you a little bit. So when it, you know when you come into a new industry that is fully formed, there are protocols in place, there are paths to walk, there are there are places things already put into place that show you how to kind of move into the position of a leader. In cannabis, mm-hmm. it is the wild west yeah, in every not, state as it comes right. on. And right, so we have to deal with things very that are very different in this industry than any other industry. So, what do you say to a woman who says, "You know, I see there's an opportunity to participate in this movement here. I want to lead my local women. How do I get there? What do I do to make myself mm-hmm. a leader in this community? So, outside of a company, how do I lead?" Mm-hmm. So, I I think for me, like I said, like I am a natural leader. And I moved 14 times before I was 10 years old. And so I had to make my own way in the world. And I also had some pretty big learning disabilities. I have pretty bad dyslexia and some, I never did, could read very well or or do a lot of math, you know, until, until I was put into the right learning situations. Um, but you know, I'm 57 years old. So back then they didn't know what to do with us, you know? (laughs) So, oh, she's dyslexia. Let, you know, let's put her in the dumb math classes. So it was, I had to overcome a lot. And because I had to overcome a lot and, and I did graduate college with two degrees and with honors, but for a long time, I didn't think I was very smart. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, I started doing well in school because I was put in the right learning situations. You know, my, my mother helped a lot with that. I also started doing art, which was my thing. I mean, that's what we do, us dyslexic people. We do art and I do art like amazing. I mean, that's that's honestly one of my goals is to is to, um, you know, have a big barn so I can start welding big sculptures again and doing my giant tactile collage pieces from found objects. So. Anyways, sidebar. Um, so I think for me, I I would say to other women that you have to. Um, I I find in this industry in particular, and especially in the art industry, it's a very connective, and it's very supportive for women. And so for me, it was very based on what happened to me as a kid. It's super easy for me to talk to people. 
And so I just literally started going out to every cannabis event I could find all over the Bay Area and basically down through Fresno and sometimes in LA. And I literally would just talk to people. I mean, I would go get myself a glass of wine and then I would like just work the room and not like in a salesy way, but just in a real honest, like, hey, hi, you know? And so I think you have to really learn to do that and you have to not be afraid of the reaction because the reaction you get, especially from other women is awesome. I mean, it's, it's full connectivity. So, so I would say to people, you know, reach out to your colleagues, you know, through organizations like yours, Kara, and, and just, and connect with people and lean on people and don't be afraid to, I mean, I call people all the time with CEO questions. I mean, I have, I know a number of CEOs now, and there are some times that I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to solve that. So I just pick up the phone. And and I ne- and in cannabis especially, I never get people saying to me, oh, I'm sorry, I can't help you, or I can't tell you that, or, you know, it's just, this industry is very small, and it's it's very supportive, and it's very supportive of women. So I think, in particular, the cannabis industry is while it's crazy and wacky, women are good at crazy and wacky. We're problem solvers. We pivot really easy. We don't get our panties in a bunch. We make things happen. And so in this, I think this is an easier industry for women to get into than some of the other industries, a hundred percent. So I would just encourage people to, um, to connect literally (laughs) in every way you can. (laughs) I want to take that a step further with you because networking isn't everything. Networking is not how you become a leader. Networking is how you get to know a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that Annie Holman is one of the most generous women I have met in this industry. And that is a very important key to your leadership. Because anyone who knows you knows that you're just talking about all the other CEOs that you can go to to help. Well, I, everyone that I know that is intimately involved with you knows that they can do the same with you. And I think that that is important to acknowledge as a leader is that you set the tone for how others are to behave by doing that yourself. So tell me a little bit more about where that generosity and that desire to help and that you have such an open door. There's nothing about you that feels inaccessible. Where does all of that come from? You know, let's face it. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I've been that way my whole life. I mean, I I just, you know, I laugh because I, I really wear my 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 whole soul on my sleeve, and and I'm a very much an open book. And you know, eighty five percent of the time that totally works for me. The other fifteen percent of the time, I massively put my foot in my mouth. So, <laughs> but you know, I just I I'm very I feel like oh my god, I guess I should have said that. Because I pretty much say what's on my mind. I mean, I have been that way my whole life. And I do think it comes from what I experienced as a kid and all those challenges. And, and you know, people just naturally kind of gravitate towards me because I am open and I am kind and I do want to help. And I actually am present. Like, I've always been present. Like, I, I'm not one of those people that's, if you're having a conversation with me, we're having a conversation. I am not looking around the room to see who else I can go talk to. You know, it's just like, so I really take the time to spend the time with people. 
Um, and I, and I think, I think, I mean, people always remember what you say to them and how you make them feel. And, and I also understand the art of the, the apology. If I do something that's, that's wrong. I mean, I apologize. I, I admit to my mistakes. I take responsibility and that's all part of leadership as well. Um, I mean, I'm not perfect. <laughs> Nobody is. And so, you know, but if, if I do something, you know, I take responsibility for it a hundred percent. So that, that I think is an important quality in a leader as well. It builds trust. And, and that really is the big key yeah. to overcoming a lot of issues in leadership is having the trust of the people mm-hmm. who are following you. Okay. So I want to dig a little bit deeper into trust and leadership. And, you know, we are women in cannabis and we realize that we have this incredible opportunity to create a massive change, not just in this industry, but in the world at large, because we have this incredible medicine that we're bringing forward. And as many amazing women as there are in this industry, and as you said, we don't get our panties in a bunch. We deal with problems. We're used to crazy. But still, we can't seem to get out of our own way. There is so much infighting, unpaid bills, nasty competition among women in our industry. How do we overcome this and unify this incredibly powerful force of women so that we can become one voice and create massive change? Because it's not happening right now. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I know what you're talking about. and. For me, I don't put a lot of energy into those situations. I see it and and maybe I'm not maybe I should pay more attention to it. Maybe it's going to take people like me to to challenge some of the people that are, you know, not playing as nice. But I I, I tend when when I get treated you know, in a different way by somebody, I tend to not put a lot of effort back into it. And, and it sort of shuts it down. You know, if somebody's complaining about something or talking behind somebody's back to me, you know, I don't really respond much because I find that that gives people a pretty big message like, hey, what you're saying right now is not very nice. And it's not, it's not, uh, productive and and you should think about the way that you say things and I don't even need to say that because I, I I just I don't I don't give a big response to to those types of situations um so maybe I should I mean maybe it's something I should be thinking about a little bit more um because I do see that happening and there's just absolutely no reason for it and it does honestly it kind of surprises me some um, especially in this industry because much like the art industry, we're pretty open, cool people. But I do, I do see this, and I do see this within women. It's almost that cattiness, I suppose. Um, that's why I don't like all those lists that come out with the top fifty blah de blahs, you know. <laughs> so like, it's like whatever. <laughs> so yeah, maybe maybe I need to think about that more, and maybe I need to, um, yeah. Uh, um, I think you've you've given me something to think about here in how I could um, uh, be, give to the community a bit more. Have you seen the uh, I think I think it's on Fox Miss America 
about the woman who it was Kate played yeah. by Kate Blanchett, the, yeah. the woman who basically fought. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent theory. Right. So I, when I look at this incredible community of women that we have, why can't we organize the way that she did to bend the will mm-hmm. of the law to what we want? And, you know, we're not trying to stop access and equality. We're trying to promote it. We're trying to make medicine available to heal the planet. What do we need Mm -hmm. to do to create solidarity and unity and act as one voice so we have power? And I put this to you because you are one of the leaders. Yeah, we're, we're already doing it with organizations like yourself and what you're doing and, you know, the Lady Jane Society, I mean, what you're doing is already doing it. And unfortunate, and I have a group up here called Bloom. That's a women's group that is that we were starting to organize. And unfortunately, based, you know, we, we can't get together right now because I think us mm-hmm. all being in the same space is really critical. And like, that's why like events like what you did, I mean, people talk about your event like more than any other event that I went to. No kidding. Oh, you went to that. Really? How was that? I mean, I just like I, I get so much positive feedback from your event. And so I think it's gonna take and 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 good for you for keeping this going in a digital way, you know. I mean, I I see a lot of groups that were going and 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 doing these you know physical events where we could see one another. They're not doing what you're doing to keep this going. So I think to answer your question, it's people like you that are, you know, doing things like what you're doing, that's going to make this change and this shift. I mean, because when you, you also, I mean, you're an incredibly respected leader. And when you talk, I mean, the, all the talking that you did at your event, I mean, I listened and, you know, a lot of people talk, you know, you really have a lot of good things to say. You say it in a concise way. You don't go on and on and on. And so it's, it's people like you and, and like me, you know, get, I need to get this bloom thing back up and running again. And we actually were considering doing some digital stuff and I just, I haven't had the bandwidth to do it, but I think that's what it's going to take. We got to, we got to keep going in, in, in these types of scenarios. What do you think that we can accomplish if we do? Well, I think we can squash out some of the negativity and by by being positive and by, by being supportive of other women. I mean, women aren't used to being supported, right? In most industries. And so here we Very are true. in the cannabis industry. Yep. So they come into this industry and all of a sudden they're like, wow, there's Kira and Annie out there and, and they care about me. How cool. And so then they start acting that way instead of like, you know, always, you know, just being more, you know, a lot of women are real, um, you know, holding their cards close to their chest because that's what we've been taught to do. And, and so, you know, being able to, uh, being treated in a, in a connective, respected, respected way from people like yourself and myself, I think that teaches people lessons, um, to, to be able to, to branch out and, and, and be more connected and, and make this an industry. I mean, I, I think, honestly, I think we're already doing a really, really good job of all these things. And, and I think we've, as women in this industry, we've accomplished a ton of things. Just the, just the overall leadership, women in cannabis. I mean, this is what your podcast is all about. I mean, we don't talk about women in the car making industry very often, right? <laughs> so it's just, this is awesome. Very women true. In cannabis. We are doing we are doing it. So I think it's just, it's, it's going to take some more time. And, but 
But I'm I'm actually really pleased with what I see around me for the most part. If we were able to speak with one voice, what would you want us to say? What would be the big message you would encourage women together to come together under one umbrella in this industry to make a change, to fight for policy? What would that unifying single message be? Oh, that must be the doozy question, huh? <laughs> that is a doozy. Um, wow. Um, and, you know, think about it in terms of this. We are where we are because of amazing groups like Normal that had one mission. Mm -hmm. They weren't trying to do a million things. They wanted legalization and patient access. Okay, so in California, at mm -hmm. least, we're there. And, and throughout a lot of the United States, we are. What's next? I think con connecting um, uh, smaller groups together that are in California to uh, the connectivity throughout the rest of the United States. So getting so so finding ways to connect with women in other states and empowering them, and then bringing that globally as well. I, I think I think that's a that's a good. Uh, route and good message to, to be able to support women that aren't directly near us. I think that's, I, I like that a lot. Is there anything else that you want to say to our audience of women who are listening right now, who are tuning in to learn more about leadership in cannabis? Um, I would say that your best bet is to really just be who you are, <laughs> you know, just, just, be the person that you want to be and and you don't have to you know i don't want to say prove anything but just just be be who your heart tells you to be 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 open don't don't be afraid of being too trusting i mean a lot of people tell me oh you're too trusting you're so emotional and i'm like well yeah good you know <laughs> like so and and <laughs> know that answer. you're going to make yeah, you know, it's like, so, so what, you know, like, you don't have any emotions, as I'll say back to somebody, you know, but, um, you know, it's just, I think just really, I, I'm a big, I'm a big growth person. And so I'm one of those people who, if I make a mistake, or if I go through something, I really look at it very, very closely and say to myself, okay, what did I get out of this? Even if it was, something that was negative, you know, I, I look at that and I say, okay, how can I do this differently next time? You know, I really pay attention and, 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 and be present and understand my growth patterns. And I, I really am proud of myself for that because that self-awareness allows me to, to really um, understand other people and, and to, um, understand how, I mean, I, you know, honestly going from running a solo design firm and only dealing with clients to, to running a big company and having employees, that's been a big shift for me. And so I've had to really learn, you know, how, how you speak to, um, employees and how you address their issues, but, but I'm, I'm naturally good at it. I mean, I've just, I've figured it out because I'm just, I'm myself. I don't overcomplicate it. You know, and, and you don't have to play by all the rules. What rules? You know, like to, you know, you just, if I think you just really, you stick to your gut and, and listen to your gut. I mean, that, that's another little thing that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty empathic and I, I, um, 
if, if, if I go, if I do something that my gut's telling me not to do, it usually does not work out. I can, I can say that for about 85% of the time. So, I mean, women have that extra little sense. So use it. <laughs> so, and, and also too, don't, don't be afraid to take risks, you know, take, take risks. I mean, I, I'm really, really good at picking. I mean, with the change of leadership we had, the mess that I had to clean up was so intense. And I had to have so many uncomfortable phone calls trying to pick up some pieces. But I got very good at it because I realized, you know what? I'm a human. I'm talking to another human. This happened. I'm just going to be really honest about what happened. And I'm going to find a way to work it out. So all these uncomfortable conversations became, for me, not so hard. So. Because I was just myself about it. I was just honest. Here's what happened. How can we fix this? You know, so don't beat around the bush. <laughs> I love it. I, and what I love about that is the call to authenticity. And in a lot of other industries, women really are called to not bring their authentic selves, right? We're, we're right. called to bring our more masculine right. self that's dressed up in heels yeah. and hair. And, you know, and not that that doesn't yeah. exist in cannabis. And it, you know, it's a freedom that we all have to express ourselves as women. But if that's not who you are authentically, there's still a place for you here. Because the women mm -hmm. that I've met in this industry are drawn to it, not because they're in search of fame and fortune, but because they're in search of healing and helping to heal the world. And that is mm -hmm. an incredible equalizer. Yeah. And when you do that, I was just going to say, when, when you help heal and, and I mean, when you give like that, you get it back tenfold. And, and that, that for me is, you know, that's the way the universe works. I mean, I'm not a super religious person, but I do think there's something out there bigger than me. I, I don't really know what, but um, you know, I just, I, for me, it's like a soul spinning universe. And when you give the universe provides, and when you don't give and you do things that aren't so great, it's going to come back to you. So I think, I think it, it's, for me, it's very, very gratifying to give. And then it, it, it does come back and, and that feels really good too. Thank you so much, Annie. This has been a really enlightening conversation. I've enjoyed speaking with you and I really appreciate you coming and sharing your wisdom. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you and everything you've done for the industry. And I'm very grateful that we have met. And like I said, your event was the, the best event that I went to all year last year. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing it again. And, and I think what you're doing to keep this going is, is amazing because that's, that's what's needed. So, especially now. So thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi. 
it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.